Sometimes the natural world is gross, sexy, horrifying, violent, and all of those other words you would look for in late night TV. This show is intended for mature audiences. You have been warned. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Perfect. So welcome to Zoo After Dark, a podcast where we talk about all the interesting things in the animal world that you wouldn't necessarily share at the dinner table. Uh, since this is our first episode, let's go around the circle here and introduce ourselves. Cool, yeah. So hey guys, my name is Emily. I have a background in animal husbandry and behavior, as well as conservation education. Uh, currently working towards some sort of career in the translational science field, making animal knowledge more accessible to the public. Hi, Emily. I have a background in neuroscience and cognitive behavioral research and zoo education most recently. Hey, I'm Alec. My background ranges from both the dead and the living. I do a lot of paleontological research, and I also have a background working with zoo animals and one place I was even training alligators. I always forget about that. That's yeah, really that, cool. was the, that was the place where I almost lost a foot, and I almost lost my arm a couple times. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> the one I almost lost an arm to a couple times, though, was still one of my favorite animals I ever worked with, absolutely. Always how it goes. Yeah. Like the animals that almost seriously maim you, you're like, oh, but I love them so much. So it's okay. Yeah. Speaking of bats, which nobody mentioned yet, but you're about to hear that word a lot more now uh, in the foreseeable future here. Uh, so bats is the theme of this episode. And to kick us off, I do have a wonderful pun. So I hope you all are ready for it. Did you hear about the bat donkey hybrid? It's pretty bat ass. <sighs> oh no you're welcome no it only gets worse from here i look forward to it <laughs> i may leave part way through the podcast well you can't yet because you have to do a 90 second recap <laughs> okay all right i'm, I'm gonna put to the, the timer on the clock and in view so you have to see it because that just makes it more fun for us not for you you ready that's all ever be. Go. Bats are mammals belonging to the order Chiroptera, which translates as hand wing from Latin. Found on every continent except Antarctica, there are over 1,400 species of bats, comprising 20% of the world's mammal species that have been described so far. They're divided into two groups, microbats and megabats. The smallest bat is the bumblebee bat. It's a little smaller and lighter than a standard ping pong ball. The largest bat is the golden crown flying fox with a wingspan that can be as long as an average person, and weighs between a pineapple and your typical toaster. Microbat species can have wide diets, feeding on fruit, nectar, other animals, insects, or even blood. They have excellent hearing and poor vision, although they're not blind. While there are some exceptions, microbats echolocate, whereas megabats do not. Microbats also have magnetoreception, meaning they can sense the Earth's magnetic field and even how strong it is to basically tell how far north or south they are. Megabats, on the other hand, eat almost ex exclusively fruit and nectar and have decent vision. Bats can be solitary, like silver-haired bats, or live in colonies of millions of individuals, like Mexican free-tailed bats. Some species, like the spectral bat, are monogamous, but most species aren't. While bats often have a bad reputation with people, they are critical for the ecosystem and for human civilization. Bats that feed on nectar and fruit act as pollinators and seed dispersers to help with plant growth and diversity. Farmers rely on bats for natural pest control, pollination, and fertilizer. Additionally, bat guano, or poop, provides nutrients for other organisms, and its acidity contributes to shaping the cave systems in which they live. Our world would literally look different without bats. A minute 28. Perfect. Yeah. Wow. Nice job. <laughs> Oh, no big deal. Just summarizing 20% of mammalian species in 90 seconds. 
You're a rock star. <laughs> I had no idea before you put it in the chat that bats were the second largest group of mammals. After rodents, yeah. Honestly, neither did I until I started researching. So let's start talking about the fun stuff with bats then. Emily, do you want to go first? Yeah, yeah. So everyone here has heard of bath bombs, right? The little foamy bombs. Oh, don't even say that it. You put, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <sighs> that you put in the bathtub that kind of, it starts to fizz and it makes the water different colors or sparkles. Or sometimes you can get like a pokeball that has a tiny little like squirtle or something inside and it's super cute. Well, let me tell you about bat bombs. There it is. <laughs> Bat bombs, everyone. <laughs> yeah. So during World War II, approximately 1942, uh, there was a dentist living up in Pennsylvania that created this crazy idea of bat bombs. So basically in Mexico or New Mexico area, uh, he was studying bats and uh, he actually did came across the Mexican free-tailed bat. Uh, Leilani mentioned in her intro, uh, one of the world's smallest bat species that tends to hang out in colonies of millions, millions of these little guys. So I guess when observing these bats, he was like, hey, maybe we could put those in a bomb and drop them over Japan. You know, like you do. Yeah. And because, you know, a lot of Japanese architecture, the houses and buildings are made of more of that paper and wood, easily flammable, right? So if we drop these bats onto these houses uh, or onto these areas with these houses, the bats will go up into the roofs and the rafters and make little roosts. Um, and then the bombs attached to the bats can be remotely detonated and essentially explode these buildings and set fires to the surrounding farmland and everything in Japan. Um, so he was able to pitch this idea to FDR, uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt, of course, the president at the time. And he actually said, quote, this man is not a nut. It sounds like a perfectly wild idea, but it is worth looking into. So needless to say, this idea was actually explored for a couple years, oh. um, bounced around between, yeah, bounced yeah. around between different branches of the military. Um, and so essentially what they did is they collected a bunch of these Mexican free-tailed bats, over 6,000 of them, uh, shoved roughly a thousand of them into a metal tube, a five foot long metal tube. Um, and each one had tiny little, about 20 gram sized bombs, incendiary bombs, uh, glued to their chests. Put them in these bombs. Uh, the, they would be cooled down to force them into kind of a state of hibernation. Uh, so they could not only have the bomb attached to them and then dropped uh, into Japan. Shot the bomb up, or at least was intended to, uh, and then dropped these bats down so they would roost and then later be exploded. Uh, the problem, though, of course, uh, well, I guess maybe not, of course, maybe I think <laughs> I say, this would be, of course. Where is the problem that I saw in this? Because, yeah, there are so many problems. I can't even, yeah. I don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess the first one is that they couldn't figure out how to put them asleep, I guess, to the right degree. Mm. So either they froze them too much to where they were asleep or in too deep of Torper. a sleep yeah to where when they dropped they didn't wake up in time so they just fell to the ground they didn't fly oh um, no yeah or they weren't asleep enough to where once the capsule opened up they just flew away 
like into the sunset. They didn't really fly where the scientists intended them to fly. They just left. Um, yeah, so eventually uh, this, this plan actually gained a lot of traction. So it came about, uh, like I said, in 1942. By 1944, um, they were making a lot of headway. They were actually able to successfully destroy a couple of uh, dummy Japanese towns, if you will. But uh, the plan was eventually scrapped in favor of the atomic bomb. So that's kind of the main reason why the research on these bat bombs was uh, stopped uh, is because we decided to use atomic bombs instead. So they got pretty close to being a thing. You know, when you said bat bombs, I thought you were going to tell me that like bat guano is a main ingredient in a lot of bat bat bombs I like, but... That went somewhere way more horrifying. <laughs> or, yeah, I've heard that Bakwano has been harvested for kind of, you know, emergency gunpowder mm-hmm. when they've when soldiers have run out of gunpowder because of the nitrates uh, inside Bakwano, they use that. Um, but yeah, this is a whole nother level. Nope, they literally just wanted to use bats i guess based on their behavior you know bats tend tend to like to roost up in attics and darker spaces and things like that a lot of you might have bats that live in your neighborhoods um common to bird houses you can actually build bat houses and kind of put them up in your yard which is kind of cute so yeah and apparently the idea behind this bat bomb is that it would be up to 12 times stronger than a normal (gasps) incendiary bomb which is oh my gosh I guess the idea was that, you know, in wartime, all bets are off because obviously today we wouldn't just needlessly sacrifice that many animals, hopefully. All bats are off. <laughs> all bats are off. Oh my God. <laughs> there we are. Yes. Yes. So, uh, built bat houses, not bombs. <laughs> yep. Yep. Is our pun tally up to three now? Somewhere uh, around there. Somewhere, yeah. Okay. Don't okay. worry. It'll keep going. Great. I look yeah. forward to it. Yeah. So Leilani, what fact do you want to give that we want to ruin with puns now? Oh, I hope you don't ruin this with puns because researching this made me uncomfortable. So I I just hope to share that with all of you. And I feel puns will just make this even worse. Um, So bat nipples, they are so weird. And there isn't even just one weird thing about them. A lot of bats have one pair of nipples in the pectoral region, you know, on their chest, sometimes very close to the armpits, which is weird for a lot of people because not many mammals have nipples on their chest like that. Primates, of course, including humans do, um, but elephants, uh, sirenia, and, and chiroptera apparently have pectoral nipples. And that actually provided evidence for some people to create a theory that bats are actually primates, particularly megabats. And that theory has been tossed around and torn apart. There's a lot of research around it. Uh, There's some neurochemistry involved, structures within the brain that resemble more primates than microbats, I think. I didn't dig too far into this theory because as far as I can tell, there isn't a lot of support for it, but there are people who avidly believe in 20, 30 years, we're going to reclassify megabats as primates. Um, A big problem with it is how did flight independently evolve in, you know, two groups of bats. Look at archosaurs, my favorite group. (laughs) 
okay, you can go talk to the people who are against this theory and just throw some confusion. And I had never heard that theory. But to make things even weirder, some bats have extra nipples. There's a group of bats uh, that does have two pairs of nipples, but there are also a few families of bats that have pubic nipples. They're just above the vagina, and people think that they're primarily used for baby bats to hang on to the parent. There's some evidence that they could have a degree of lactation, so there may be other uses for these, or they may be completely vestigial, as some sources say, where they're no longer used and they're just a remnant of nipples. So some people believe that these bats are more primitive than other bats. There's a really thorough study by Nancy B. Simmons of the American Museum of Natural History. She was, when she published this, the assistant curator for the Department of Mammalogy, and it's a really fascinating study. And I have so much respect for someone who can write, you know, 20 to 30 pages analyzing bat nipples across so many different species. But to make things even weirder, there are some bats where males lactate. So the Dyak fruit bat and the Bismarck masked flying bat, males will actually uh, nurse baby bats maybe to lighten the load for females and make, you know, reproducing a little bit less energy costly for them. But bats are weird. And it's such a huge group of animals. And we classify them all as bats. But there are such significant morphological and physiological differences between them even that it's mind-boggling for me to think of them all as this one big umbrella. So after researching this, I completely understand why there's so much uh, controversy and discussion around the taxonomy and classification of bats. I never knew that much about any animal's nipples, to be quite honest. Me neither. Me neither. I can say I'm glad that uh, humans don't use our nipples as baby latches, you know? Yeah feel like that'd be a little awkward how would you carry things around and like I mean for the bats the idea is a baby can just hold on to one of these pubic nipples and they have Mm. their wings and like I guess pectoral muscles free to fly oh yeah yeah they're baby bat booster seats they are but they're nipples (laughs) maybe (laughs) they're just so weird yeah and then the male lactation thing too, because I guess, mm-hmm. do males normally have the the potential to lactate across other species? They just don't have the right hormone? Male lactation has been observed in some animals, uh, like cats, goats, and guinea pigs, on rare occasions. Pigs, really. But I think as far as we know, these two species of bats are the only species where we see that consistently, where it's part of their parental care. Okay, not just like a fluke. Yeah. That's definitely an energetic benefit for sure, if you're dividing that up between parents. Absolutely. Absolutely. I could see females Mm -hmm. of the species being more willing to reproduce if some of that energetic cost is distributed um, between males and females. Mm -hmm. I feel like even with looking into this for other animals, though, bat nipples are still weird. Yeah. 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 At least for most groups of animals, it's at least uniform. They have the same kind of nipples, essentially. Like, they follow the same rules. But for bats, it's such a big group of animals that you see such wide variation between families. 
that super cute bumblebee bat that's smaller than a ping pong ball, by the way. Oh, no, don't ruin this. They have pubic nipples. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, then. You're welcome. Interesting, yeah. Is so. everyone uncomfortable now? I To a fair degree, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. But, you know, I feel like these extra nipples aren't the only thing that make bats more special because they're actually also one of the smartest animals we have in the animal kingdom as they do have their own bachelor degrees. <laughs> you know, I was ready to jump in about that whole primate theory and the neurochemistry of bats mm -hmm. and See? how they are quite intelligent and the spatial cognition of bats, especially the nectar-feeding bats, to remember which flowers they've already visited and when and where they are. But so you just that... ruined it. <laughs> no, I think I just have an explanation for it. They have bachelor degrees. <laughs> wow. And another piece of Leilani slowly died away. <laughs> yeah. When I was researching and trying to figure out the differences between like bat families and how many nipples they have and where they are and which lactate and all of that, I just kept running into images of Batman's nipples. And Emily didn't believe me that you nope. could see them. And I was like, no, trust me. It was, it was horrifying. I don't know which disturbed me more, weird bat nipples or Batman's nipples seen through his suit. Batman's nipples because there is so much going on with that suit that you know that's intentional. Yeah, yeah like that's they couldn't have made it reinforced to like prevent the cold from affecting him like that. I don't know. I'm thinking the suit was designed so there's like a little to pocket have of fabric to house the nipple. That no, not no, not a pocket in, in the I it's either got nipple pockets to fit the nipples in. Or it's got embellished nipples onto it. <gasps> that is what I think. Oh. Because the suit provides some protection. So it has to be like pretty tough, you know? Right. So I really think they designed the suit and like... Put like a little, like the little dot candy on there. Yep. You made it worse. <laughs> I don't know. I will never be able to eat dot candy again. And I loved dot candy when I was a Seriously, child. Seriously, it's just a little dollop of sugar on a, on a sticker sheet. Yeah. And I loved sugar when I was a kid. All right, all right. Anyways, I have a, another another bat joke or pun, if you will. So Batman walks up to Alfred and he says, uh, Alfred, will you please... Oh, sorry. Alfred, will you please fill up the bathtub? And then Alfred goes... Wait, did you say bathtub or bat-tub? I said bathtub. You failed. Okay, I'm gonna do it again. No, no. It's it, this is what the joke is. He says, "Alfred, go fill up the bathtub." And then Alfred says, "Uh, excuse me, sir. What is the H tub?" <laughs> because it is like you said, the bat hub. Sorry, I ruined that one. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm a little sorry. Your pun senses are kicking in, so now you're just automatically trying to fight back against the puns. Look, I had a dark period in my life where I binged the Mythbusters for an entire summer, and I loved the show, but there's so many puns in the narration that they just sank into every crevice of my brain, and all the words that came out of my mouth were puns. 
for an entire summer. And after I recovered from that summer, I've never gone back to that very dark place. Oh boy. Uh. You want to know who else is in a really dark place right now? Robert Pattinson, who is, might I say, the worst vampire ever because it took him 11 years to transform into a bat. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> and that's my last one I have prepared. You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> Will I make it through this podcast? Yes, with the help of tequila, brought to you by bats. Ah. Hey. You can thank bats for tequila. Bats are one of the main pollinators for agave, which is the plant important to making tequila. It's actually to the point now that some tequila brands are branded with bats as part of their logo, and there are bat-friendly tequilas. The problem with the way some tequila is harvested is that it takes out the part that the bat is benefiting from. So bat-friendly tequila brands allow a portion of the agave plants in their farm to flower um, so that the bats can use that. It lets them get the uh, nectar out of that plant that way. If the flower isn't there, there's no nectar for them to get. So it's also going to mean they're probably not going to come around as much, which is going to be a problem for the farmers. And bats are already hurting in a lot of populations, especially with things like white nose disease. So buying from bat-friendly brands of tequila, number one, you're getting tequila, but also you are helping make sure that the bats pollinating these plants are still benef- benefiting from them as well. Are there different, uh, I guess, strains, types, if you will, of agave that can only be pollinated by bats? So for example, vanilla plants, one of the reasons why vanilla is so expensive is that there is only one particular type of bug. I want to say, ah, the melopona bee. It's a type of bee that pollinates vanilla, and it's the only animal that can do so. So I'm wondering, are, is this a similar situation going on with the agave and the bats, or is it just based on the region that both of these things are located? There isn't a specific species I can find that is the only one for a specific kind of agave, but in general, the seed set drops to one three thousandth of the normal amount in agave without bat population from the source I'm looking at right now, the Bat Conservation International. Whoa, super cool. So they're just super efficient. They're good at what they do. They're just really good at it. You know, I never made that connection. Uh, I've also done some bartending in my life, and um, I've poured a lot of Bacardi rum, which has a bat on their logo on the bottle there's a bat and i've always wondered why is there that bat on the bottle and apparently for bacardi rum for the sugar cane that's used to make the rum uh, bats are key pollinators and they eat a lot of the pests that go after the sugar cane so that's awesome so we've got two drinks to thank bats for yeah a lot of our liquor thanks to bats yeah i don't specifically have bacardi but i do have rum and tequila on my shelf up there so (laughs) yeah i wonder if that's why People who are drunk go so batshit crazy is because <laughs> we rely on them to pollinate these plants that give us the alcohol. Yeah. You can insert like the sound of crickets, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just tiny little bats say, flapping. Uh-huh. Little yeah. bat echolocation bat screams. Chirps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am impressed. Thank by you. how quickly and agilely you're able to insert those puns. I'm trying my best. Thank you. It's very impressive. Yeah. Truly a gift. 
thank you. <laughs> I also do birthday parties. Hopefully not with the same. No, no, they're, they're theme appropriate. Do we have any examples of those fat-friendly tequilas or alcohols that we can share? So from what I'm seeing here is that it should be on the label of your tequila if it is bat-friendly. A specific example I'm seeing here is tequila ocho. Ooh. Good to keep in mind. Yeah. When choosing your liquor, make sure it comes from a bat-friendly source. Yeah. Don't look at my pun list. It seems like smaller batch places like tequila ocho work better. Uh, okay, so maybe some of those smaller locally owned alcohol distilleries which is also good because local businesses. Yeah, of course. Support your local distillery and your local bats. Yeah. Build yourself a bat box. And then <laughs> sit outside. Bat-friendly tequila. Yeah, sit yeah. outside or and have a drink rum. and just watch the bats. And think about bat nibbles. This is a great oh, weekend. Oh, well, I mean, you. we don't have to do that. <laughs> mm. After enough tequila, you will be. Is that a shooting star or a bat bomb? <laughs> the world may never know. All right. The, the game that I prepared for you all today is all about bat sounds. So uh, something else that was mentioned in our little introductory uh, spiel about bats is that the micro bats actually have the ability to echolocate. Um, so for those of you that don't know, echolocating is a form of communication and also kind of a form of navigation that animals can use in the wild. Uh, typically bats and then dolphins are the two animal groups that people tend to think of when they hear the word echolocation. Basically what echolocation is, is these animals are producing a sound, um, typically at varying frequencies. Um, and so those sounds are going to be emitted out from their mouths or in dolphins cases or blowholes sometimes, what have you. Those sounds travel out, they hit objects of varying densities. And then based on the frequency in which those sound waves bounce back to that animal, uh, they can kind of tell how far away it is, how big it is, how fast it's moving. Um, and that's how these animals are going to not only locate each other in space, but also their food sources. Um, so bats are going to be spending a lot of time tracking down insects um, or for those that eat meat, different small mammals, things like that. And then in the case of fruit or nectar eating bats, they're going to be able to track those flowers or fruit trees, what have you, that they're going to go after. So what I have here for you guys today are a variety of bat sounds. So I'm going to play them for you, and they sound super cute, super adorable. <laughs> and since we mentioned that bats are one of the largest uh, groups of mammals in the entire world, scientists often struggle distinguishing between different bat species when studying them in the wild. And one of the best ways that they have discovered how to do this is actually classifying them based on sound. So I am going to play for you some clips. I am going to give you an option between two different bats. Now, the clincher, you're probably not really going to have any guess better one way or the other. It's really just going to all be chance when I play this, so it's up to you guys. You can either pick the same bat, you can pick different bats, what have you. I love it. But it's, yeah, it's just going to be a silly fun game, and you all get to hear some bats, and maybe if some of these sounds sound familiar to you, you'll realize, hey, maybe I have some bats in my backyard. That'd be pretty cool. All right, so here comes the first recording. Your options are the pallid bat or the Allen's big-eared bat? 
Well, it's pure chance, so let's just go with the pallid bat. All right. I'm going to go with big-eared bat because they're real cute. All right, yeah. Uh, so that was actually the pallid bat. Woo! Yeah, so Leilani wins a point for Being no lucky. skill whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Um, but consolation, we are going to listen to what that Alan's big-eared bat sounds like. And as Alec mentioned, it is super cute. Super cool, huh? All right. Next up, we have the hoary bat or the western yellow bat. Yeses? I'm going to go with the hoary bat because it sounds kind of high-pitched. and they're, I mean, they all sound high-pitched, uh, but yeah. the hoary bat's real small. All right. Well, then I'll go with the other bat. The other bat, the western yellow. The What's the full name? Western yellow bat. The Western Yellow Bat. Okay. I'll go with that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that is actually correct. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, <laughs> wow, two points for luckiness. All right, uh, but here is that hoary bat. Also really high-pitched. Also really high-pitched, pretty similar. So, yeah, a lot of these have actually been slowed down and amplified from their normal sound volume so to speak in the wild so a lot of the sounds that bats produce humans can't actually hear and if we were able to hear them at the volume and frequency at which bats hear them our ears would probably bleed or explode <laughs> or both so literally <laughs> yeah um, so it is a good thing that we can't necessarily hear all variations of sound but it's cool that thanks to science we actually have the ability to all right, so the next one is the California leaf-nosed bat or the ghost-faced bat. What do we think? I'm going to choose the ghost-faced bat because of how there's like an echo in the chirping. Ooh, okay. Yeah, like, like a it. ghostly shadow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so lame. <laughs> I'll go with the leaf-nosed bat. Why not? All right. So surprisingly, Leilani's logic worked. <laughs> it was the ghost face bat. All right, Alec gets to choose first the next time because I, I feel he, like he you're cheating. He chose first this, this the second The last time. round? Oh. Um, That's why still. I went first this time so we could alternate. All right, but he goes All first right. next time. Okay, yeah. Uh, well, here's that California leaf-nosed bat. Okay, that one's got like a shorter, like a little chirp to it. Yeah. All right. Finally, we have the pocketed free-tailed bat. We actually mentioned a version of free-tailed bat earlier a couple times, so that's cool. And then the Parnell's mustached bat. <laughs> These are both excellent names. They are. All right, Alec, it's all down to you. I'll go with that mustache bat. All right. To switch things up, I'm also going to go with the mustache bat. Ah, all right. Well, both of you are oh. wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Can't win them all, I guess. That was the pocketed free-tailed bat. This is what you get for siding with me. You lose. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, here's that mustached bat. <gasps> It'll squeak. Super cute. And very piercing. Yes. But yes, very adorable. Yeah. So the next time you're outside and you maybe think that you're hearing some uh, chirping, maybe kind of sounds like some bird chirping or something like that, it, it might actually be a bat, which is pretty cool. Yeah, we just make all those our ringtones. Just be like, oh, 
Mexican free-tailed bat must be so-and-so. Yeah. <laughs> that was a fun game. All right. Remember, I won a game. Yes. Because it's all downhill for me from here. <laughs> oh, and then I actually have a cool pun for this based on bat sounds. Okay, everyone. So people tend not to be too fond of the movie Fern Gully. So I just recently Great watched movie. Hold on. They're all wrong. Even for a pun setup, this is wrong. Well, just listen, okay? But I think it just has a bat rap. You guys, Leilani is staring at me with daggers. Are you going to bat rap for us? Am I going to bat rap? No, unfortunately You not. remember how it goes? No. I've only seen the movie once. Do you remember how it goes? Yeah. You should spit some down. <gasps> no. Throw it down. No. Throw it down. No. Even just for us. Oh, no. Do it for the copyright infringement. Yeah. Oh, see, there's a good reason not to. Oh, but <laughs> I want to hear it. Uh, maybe one day if we do bats revisited, like a micro bats versus mega bats. Maybe. How many nipples do they have? <gasps> that would be a fun game. I give a species of bats how many nipples. That would be good. You can also <laughs> Google that right now if you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, wow. thanks. Future games, future games. How many nipples? Christ. Yeah, so okay. maybe those sounds we were listening to weren't the bats looking for food. It was a rap battle. Yes. I like it. Well, thank you for that wonderful game and the wonderful imagery of rap battle bats now. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a game. It is Bats by the Numbers. Ooh. So basically, I am going to give you a fact about bats and a question, and you give me a number response. And whoever is the closer in number is going to get the points. Okay. I have no prizes except for your own pride. Do we get a range of numbers to choose from, or is it just like I can pick 7,562,853? I think we can just wing it. (gasps) <gasps> yes yeah, she has joined the dark side yes i love it I resist i see the i see the allure see does don't you feel a little good inside i feel dirty oh but you didn't feel <laughs> dirty when you talked about bat nipples i was gonna say it feels like when i was talking about bat nipples oh no <laughs> <laughs> that's all right hey i'm proud of you that was a good one thanks all right bring it sounds good I'm going to win. Okay. <laughs> Emily is very competitive, you guys. No. Just a little. It'll be just a bloodbath, and it's going to be absolute nonsense numbers. <laughs> 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 if you get it right on the dot, I will be just, I don't know, you get like 10 points or something if you're right on the dot. 10 points? She didn't need that motivation. Yeah, I like I could feel the competitive fire just go whoosh. The golden snitch, if you get it like right on the dot. But shouldn't it be a golden bat? See, Emily doesn't understand the golden snitch yes, because I she do. it's a stupid she doesn't rule, but she hasn't read Harry Potter. I read two Harry Potter because I read them to her. We read them together. <laughs> That's adorable. Yeah. So Harry Potter references are lost on her. No, I've seen the movies. She doesn't remember the movies. It's fine. None of these will be Harry Potter references. 
Okay, so imagine like a little bumblebee bat with long skinny wings that have feathers. Okay, Alec, what's the first question? <laughs> All right, so your first question. In the mid-2000s, there was a study on the impact of the Brazilian free-tailed bats on South Central Texas's agriculture. How much is the estimated annual financial benefit? Ooh, $3 million. $3.4 million. It was $741,000 per year. Oh, oh, but I still win because I was closer. Yeah, yeah. Or if we're doing the prices right rules, we both lose because we went over. <sighs> no, I'm just going to go with whoever is closest because... Some of these uh -huh. might be just wild numbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. It's okay. I accept my loss with grace mm -hmm. and dignity and poise. Okay, move on. <laughs> yeah. So, for context, the annual harvest, is there really specifically like cotton, was about $4.6 to $6.4 million a year. So, still a pretty uh -huh. good chunk. Yeah. Where was this specifically? Uh, South Central Texas. Oh, okay. See, I was going to way overshoot in the billions because I had read that in the United States, like as a whole, insect eating bats save farmers about $23 billion from agricultural losses that would have been caused by pests. A lot of money when you think about it. A lot of money. You'd buy so much tequila. Thank you, bats. And then in Indonesia, um, cocoa growers are saved approximately $780 million. Whoa. So that I feel like that's crazy. a real low number and underestimates the importance of bats yeah. to the economy. It is really, it's amazing when you think about how much economically, not just ecologically, but economically too, that they really benefit people. Yeah, we hear a lot about bees with the struggles that bees have been facing with colony collapse. But we don't talk as much about bats, even with white nose disease. Second fact for you. There was a study of big brown bats. They're literally called big brown bats. <laughs> that is what they are called. In Indiana, they ate primarily scarab beetles mm -hmm. and stink bugs and leafhoppers. Um, and because of the high chitin content in that, their poops are very sparkly. For a modestly sized colony of about 150 bats, it contained 1.3 million insects in their feces. How many droppings did that colony on average create per year? Whoa, per year? And how, how many insects again? 1.3 million insects, okay. total of 150 bats. 1.3 million insects. In one year. Do we have a measurement for this answer? Like number of droppings? Um, number, number of droppings. droppings. Okay. Number of droppings. I. Let's go with my previous number 3.4 million. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I. So you're thinking 150 bats made 3.4 million in a year? Well, if they ate 1.5 million bugs. That means half a bug per dropping. <laughs> Not less than half. Look, it's all I right. Have, she already buzzed right. in. I have a lot of birds. <laughs> yeah, she already buzzed in. And they can eat like that is true. Birds a tiny for one seed. Yeah, a tiny, tiny amount, and they produce so much fecal matter. But based on your reaction, I'm guessing that's way off. So there's your clue. 
Or I'm just trying to throw you off. Who knows? Go under 1.5 million. True. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe buy mm-hmm. a couple. A couple. Like, yeah. Divided by three. Okay, I'm going to say 3,500, please. So Emily is closer, but not by a lot. It is <laughs> oh, 882,000. Wow. That's so much. For 150 bats in a year. <laughs> yeah, Holy no, I, I believe it. But yeah, more... Was uh, that number of bugs over the whole year, or...? Yep. Wow. Yep, they ate an estimated 1.3 million insects. Someone, remember, was going through these sparkly poops and studying this, and it was estimated that the 150 bat colony created 882,000 sparkly poops per year. Whoa. That's amazing. It is. I mean, that's potentially a lot of fertilizer. Can you imagine that as your job? Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of fertilizer or a lot of explosives. Y'all, what if that's where Yeah. <laughs> what if that's where glitter comes from? It's just sparkly <gasps> poop. Near sustainable glitter. Yeah. I mean that is see, that is a much friendlier version of bat bombs. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the ultimate bat glitter, glitter bombing. Bombs. Yeah. That would be the ultimate glitter bombing because that would smell yeah. terrible too. They're bad yeah. enough and then you bat have enough, you oh mean? My God. <laughs> Hey, speaking of guano, oh no! Does anybody know what a bat's favorite seasoning is? I don't guano know. <laughs> ah, that's a eloquent. Good one. No, <laughs> no, there actually was an answer, but I like that. It's oreguano. <laughs> Thank you. Don't get that confused with oregano that you would put on like pizza or something. You don't want glittery bat bombs or guano on there too far (laughs) (laughs) just figured we could tie in everything you know absolutely all right so since we're recording on national fossil day i have a fossil question for you so how old do you think the oldest currently found fossil bat is i have i'm gonna be very honest i have no concept yeah no me neither of animal timelines I had very good professors who loved going through Earth's history and, you know, ancient zoology. None of it stuck. Can you, a wise paleontological master, tell us when the first mammals came about as a frame of reference? Don't do it. Don't do it. It'll, it'll just be funnier with how far off we are. I believe that was in the rules. Don't give us clues. I'll tell you, it's after mammals, they are not the first mammals. Well, no, I know, but like I for... just don't know how, how far back. Do you want to, I can give you a, a very broad idea. Just some sort of benchmark, yeah. Okay, so dinosaurs went extinct 65 million years ago. Right. Vast majority of mammoths died out about 10,500 years ago. Wow, so oh. short. Holy cow, that's pretty recent. You can kind of think, are they closer popping up to the extinction of dinosaurs or to the extinction of woolly mammoths? Um, I'm going to go with like 100,000 years. Alec, I'm going to go with my previous number of 3.4 <laughs> 3. million years. <laughs> okay, so we got 3.4 from Emily, from Leilani. And then Emily, what was your number? A uh, 100,000. Emily is slightly closer. Uh, yeah. The first bat 
currently appearing in the fossil record is about 52 million years ago in the Eocene. Oh, I knew it was on the million scale. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, what's cool though is if you look at this oldest found bat fossil, they don't think it could echolocate. There's a lot of stuff missing that's necessary for echolocation. For one, the inner ear piece, the cochlea, is too small, they think, uh, to actually be used for echolocation, as well as other cranial anatomy doesn't quite match up. So bats uh, came around long before they actually had echolocation, we think. That is fascinating, considering that microbats use echolocation, but not megabats, which a lot of scientists believe are more highly evolved than microbats. But they lost echolocation? Thinking from that standpoint, it's probably something along the lines of the ancestral trait is no echolocation and micros have it as a derive. Or with alternate theories, they're just a whole different offshoot. Yeah. Megabats just did other stuff instead. Yeah. Like being bigger. And being just adorable. Oh my god. So cute. So cute. If you're ever sad, just look up baby flying foxes. Swaddled in blankets. (laughs) (sighs) Yes. Oh my gosh. And if you're ever sad, also look up videos of bats hanging, but filmed upside down. Everyone (laughs) knows that bats hang upside down, right? But if you flip the camera, it's almost like, I think it's like an awkward rave party or something is what the caption for the video is. But it essentially just looks like they're awkwardly tippy-tappying all around. It's very comedic. <laughs> Which is a perfect segue into another question. How long do you think a bat stays hanging if they die while they're hanging? <gasps> Forever. I think they stay there until something eats them. Oh, so do I like, oh, but you said Forever. But then you put a cap on it. I thought I had a point here. <laughs> I'm going to say... If you say 3.4 million years. <laughs> Alec, I'm going to go with my previous number of 3.4 days. Wow. Emily is correct. Yeah. Uh, their muscles kind of lock in yeah, place. that's what I thought. So they are stuck hanging. So if you see a hanging bat that's not responding, um, oh. might not be sleeping. I I would like to object because those bats are going to decompose. Well, yeah, they're going to break down. Stay there until like something knocks them over, or I guess they decompose. But let's be honest, though, I say three point four days is a lot closer to decomposition. I'm looking this up. How long it takes for a bat (laughs) to decompose? I'm on FBI watch list for sure. Look, I've got to be on some kind of watch list with how much I googled bat nipples. I mean, that's not illegal. This is a Reddit question. Someone asked on Reddit, how long does it take for a bat to decompose? I'm now judging other people. (laughs) Hey, don't judge. We're not here to judge. I judge. (laughs) I will be judgy. Someone named Tectum Directum uh, responded, should I be worried about this post? Um... Bats, not swallows, and no coconuts are involved. So there's a Monty Python one for you. This is a very common question, because there's also one on Answers.com. It seems to be a lot of people wondering about the sanity of the question asker. The reason that it's, yeah, as well as just general, as long as it takes for a small animal to decompose. Is what I keep getting. <laughs> Fair. As well as, like, various conditions. Dry versus wet. Where is it? So I love, I love that because 
it's basically someone asks, how long does this process take? And then they say, as long as it takes. <laughs> like, what yeah. am I supposed to do with that answer? Like, thanks. That's very You're helpful. not wrong. <laughs> well, I guess. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> the meme I was thinking about with the guy that's like, I guess. Some of these are like, they're in my walls. And my thought is, just take them out. <laughs> How long does this take for this body to decompose in my wall? Well, remove the dead bat. (laughs) It'll smell a lot better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I know that bats do have to actively let go in order to fly away. That their claws do naturally just lock into place. Three weeks. It may take three weeks for a rat to decompose. And it's about the same body size. So I was still closer. I would say 3.4 days is closer to three weeks than forever. Right. Both of you get points for that horrible one. Oh. <laughs> yeah. We'll call that one a draw. I have your last and absolutely worst question here. So some male bats have spines on their penis. There are theorized benefits uh, potentially for extending length of copulation as well as just in-flight copulation making that work. But in particular, the hoary bat spelled H-O-A-R-Y. They're not judging the bat. We listened to that one. We did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they have one of the largest penis spines in relation to their body of all species of bats. Oh no. They're fairly small species. They're about 14 centimeters long. So roughly how big do you think these penis spines are? Seven centimeters, I think. Half the body size. So let me ask, though. Does this spine, is it perpendicular or is it (laughs) parallel? It's kind of sticking out like an arm, but it goes backwards so it kind of keeps them in i can send ah. you a photo no 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 no, no, no. that um how big is the bat again it's about 14 centimeters 14 oh i did have one more question after this oh well, it'll be a, a bonus points i'll say five centimeters five leilani was a little bit closer it's <gasps> only about one centimeter long i should have gotten my previous answer alec 3.4 yeah. centimeters <laughs> So one centimeter doesn't sound too bad until you think about the fact that their body is only about 14 centimeters long. So it's about 7% of their body size. A human head is about 12.5% of your body size. So that means in relation to our bodies, about half of your head. Oh my God. Each. Not total, each. <laughs> so yeah, horrifying. Yeah. I've got a bonus question. Uh, I wasn't going to use it because I thought it was a fact that Leilani was going to use. But since you didn't use it for your fun fact, let's use it for a bonus round. Female bats of multiple species, it seems, use oral sex to try to extend length of calculation time. In this study of short-nosed fruit bats... How long do you think? Oh God damn it! Gosh, I'm a fucking bear. <laughs> right, my cat is being a thief. Oh no! Yeah. We should just keep that in. Yeah, we're going to. There he is. All right, now he's not making sound. So, in this study of short-nosed fruit bats, how long did you think the females performing oral sex extended the mating for, on average? Hmm. I don't 
No, I mean, how long can bat copulation really last? <laughs> well, we can just do like I have no concept like of like 1.5 of this. times or because two like times. in humans, yeah, you can do a percentage if you want to. Oh. Yeah, because I've got a percentage. Oh, okay, okay. Because yeah. like in humans, apparently duration is really important for people, but in the animal kingdom, it's like okay, we got to get this done before someone eats us. I'm gonna say sixty. 69%. Oh man. That was some low hanging fruit. Yeah, it um, is surprise, but I'm gonna go with it. No shame. 34%. Boy, do you overestimate how much bats like oral sex. Overestimate? <laughs> yep, it increased the duration about. 8.7%. Oh, I should have gone for 3.4. Dang it. You know, that number really would have helped me out later in this game. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, okay, for people who may not know, bats seem to really enjoy sex. They're one of the few species that seem to do it for fun. Uh, and they're one of the few species that actually engage in oral sex of both males and females will engage in oral sex. And the only other species that we know of outside of humans is the bonobo that does that. That's crazy. Yeah. So then it would, it would make sense with that whole primate theory. Maybe it's like innately a behavior thing. I don't want that to be the thing that connects us to bats. <laughs> but which bat did you say this is in? This is the short nosed fruit bat. Fruit bat. Okay. So a mega bat. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, I didn't keep track of who was getting what point. Oh, Emily totally won. Okay. So I was going to say, all in all, in a way, we all lost. <laughs> Maybe yes. we, we each know probably more information about bats than we ever would have wanted to normally. That's mm -hmm. a brighter way of looking at things. Yeah. We know too much. Yeah. Such is the curse of animal geniuses. <laughs> oh, yeah this God. kind of knowledge is indeed the curse of i i have a string of people that when they're tired and or drunk and playing video games uh will text me various non-human characters and say could i physically fuck this oh no so <laughs> And then I send them detailed biological-specific <laughs> answers, and then they're more horrified. <laughs> uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild was... I got so many texts. All about the one shark man. Oh boy. The answer is at your own risk. We hope you enjoyed this inaugural podcast, and be sure to tune in next when things get foxy.